Acts of the Apostles, written by Luke, describing the uh, events of the early church. And uh, Alan Bannister is going to bring that reading for us. Um, If you turn to page 1033 uh, in your green Bibles, you'll be able to follow it so that you get the story right. It's 1033, it's Acts chapter 2, starting at uh, verse 42, just underneath a subhead there, the fellowship of the believers. The fellowship of the believers. Uh, Just to put this in context, we're in Jerusalem at the moment and we've just seen the apostles anointed by the Holy Spirit. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Great, thanks, Alan. Um, who do I look to? There's something's buzzing. <laughs> is, it, is, it the, is it the lectern, Mike? No. Is Jamie, where's Jamie? Or someone techie? Do we know what it is? Can we, can we sort of turn something down to... Everything's down except me. <laughs> oh, is it me then? Am I buzzing? I hope so. <laughs> In the spiritual sense. Okay, well, we'll there we are. Uh, it'll, uh, we can live. We can live. I'm in, a, I'm in an incredibly gloaty mood just at the moment. I'm gloating. Uh, being someone who has a season ticket to Fulham, uh, and therefore they've seen them put six goals past Peterborough yesterday was, uh, was just tremendous. I can't remember the last time Fulham scored six goals in one game. Uh, sometimes we hope that they'll score six goals in a season. But um, to see it in one game, and, and then uh, I can't, I, I just, it just sort of spills out into, you know, negatively onto, onto others. So Jamie, who's our wonderful worship leader, he's a Newcastle fan. <laughs> I don't know if you know the football results yesterday, but uh, they lost to Stevenage, who are kind of uh, 2,000 places below them in the league. And then I'm English as well, and, and I enjoy my cricket. Uh, I don't know if there are, are there any Australians here. You wouldn't, you wouldn't admit to that anyway, would you? If you? I love the definition of an optimist is an Australian batsman who puts on sunscreen. And I'm optimistic on a number of fronts because we come to this new year and uh, just looking ahead, packed away the Christmas decorations and uh, had a little bit of a break, not, not enough of a break, I'm sure some of us feel as we launch into a new term and so on, but uh, a bit of a break and we look ahead with incredible optimism and hope. And I want this morning just to take a bit of time to, to lay out what is our, our hope and our vision here 
at St. Danis. Forgive me if you uh, I recognize there's one or two people who are visiting here, and um, uh, so I, I hope you can sort of draw something from our vision here and take it back to wherever you may meet or worship, uh, or it, that it's helpful for you in some way. But for those of us that kind of count ourselves as regular, regulars here, or you're wanting to plug in here, maybe you've just started coming along, and you're wanting to, to plug in. Uh, again, actually, I commend, if you can come to the, come and join us for supper on the 20th, uh, and there'll be a chance for you to, to ask questions and really get inside who we are and what we're hoping to become in the name of Jesus and for his glory here uh, at St. Arnis. So before we um, just get into this passage a little bit, page 1033, and as I say a few words towards the vision of uh, the church as we head into 2011, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we pray that you would speak to us this morning in this season of epiphany as you revealed to the world the reality of Jesus. We pray for that same kind of epiphany, that revelation, that insight into who you are and what you're calling us to be and to do in this place in 2011 and beyond for your glory. Speak to us through your word. And by your spirit, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Um, just in case you hadn't realized, I'm sure it's obvious, but um, I am something of a traditionalist. Uh, which is to say that uh, from time to time, I find myself looking back. I like to go back to how things were done back then in order to inform me and help me to know how we ought to do things now and in the future. What did they do back then? I, I, I hate all these newfangled ideas, all these modern things. I go back. How was it done in the past? And that's why I frequently find myself coming back to Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 and following, the bits that uh, Alan read for us and helpfully just gave us a bit of context. Because as he said, we're in Jerusalem here and we're, we're right in the middle of the church's birthday, the, the launch of the church. God had spoken through, as we remember with the, the, the uh, Advent candles, he'd spoken through the patriarchs, Abraham and Jacob and uh, Isaac. He'd spoken through the prophets. And all the while he'd spoken of gathering a people that would uh, praise his name, that would take his name, and that he would be very present in the midst of them. They would be his people, and he would be their God. That was the sort of covenant uh, uh, title, if you like, for God's relationship with his people. And Jesus came as the ultimate expression of God in human form, to gather a people to himself. And it was Jesus who promised that with the coming of the Holy Spirit, his church, empowered by his presence, by his Holy Spirit, would be birthed. And here we are, Acts chapter 2, uh, and the coming of the Holy Spirit. Peter standing up and uh, preaching this rough and ready sermon, but thousands of people responding to it as God reveals to them the reality 
of all that he had promised through the prophets and the patriarchs. This has now come into being. And here we are, the, the birth of the church, Pentecost. And what we had read for us was Luke's description of what that early church looked like. And it's that description that, on a fairly regular basis, I go back to, almost as a sort of a, a litmus test, a, a plumb line to the, to the reality and the, the truth and the authenticity of who we are today. Have we, have we slipped from our moorings? Are we drifting in some way? How can we tell? Well, let's go back to the, to the tradition of the Christian church as it's set out here in God's inspired word, the Bible. Verse 42. This is how Luke, who put together the um, different acts of the apostles and wrote up the history of the early church. This is how he described these early Christians as the church was born. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So wonderfully concise and yet powerful and challenging picture of the early church. And I'm encouraging us this morning to go back to it and to appraise ourselves as a church and as individuals within that church according to that little praisey description. They devoted themselves to teaching, not just to information, not just to what they sort of knew and rehearsed in the stories of, of God acting in the past. This is a new teaching brought about by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This is, this is taking the information that they had in their heads and through revelation, the Spirit's ability to open the eyes of the heart, it, it's information that leads to transformation, to changed lives. It's not about taking on different tips and techniques. It's about how to revolutionize one's life. They devoted themselves to revolution, to transformation. As the apostles if you like, took the information that they knew of God and with the Spirit's discernment and the Spirit's power revealed a new way to live. That is the teaching to which this early church devoted themselves. A tiny band of people turned the world upside down because they devoted themselves to what God was saying through the apostles' teaching. Just as we look to devote ourselves to what God is saying through the inspired Word of God, Scripture, as we gather here on a Sunday, as we meet midweek. That's why house groups are so vital, I think. It's where we can really tuck in to what God is saying through his word. We can ask one another, kind of spin off each other, learn from one another. And uh, it, it, as, I, as I engage with the individuals in the church family, I notice those who plug into a small group in some way. It might be a house group in an evening. It might be a prayer triplet that meets in the morning. I know two or three really fruitful prayer triplets that meet different times during the day. But whenever it is that we look to, to feed on God's word, 
to devote ourselves to God's teaching, his revelation through information. They devoted themselves, secondly, to fellowship. And again, that's more than simply friendship, though friendship is good. We have that uh, prayer that we've taken from the end of Paul's letter to the Corinthians, where we often pray as a blessing to one another. Christians do this. They pray that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit would be with us all forevermore. Amen. In other words, it's beyond just human friendship, beyond those that I would, sort of, I would naturally choose to um, draw alongside and get to know. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit takes young and old and rich and poor and black and white, all the sort of kaleidoscope of uh, humanity and joins each individual member together in a, in a bond of friendship that goes beyond what humanly we're capable of. It's what I love about being part of a church family. It's what I love about being part of you. If, to be honest, I, I probably wouldn't have chosen a number of you to be my friends. And you certainly wouldn't have chosen me. If, particularly if you got to know me. You think, well, mm. <laughs> But it's the love of God in you, I'm, I'm thankful, and in me that draws us together. I begin to recognize that despite our surface differences of temperament or personality or preference or hobby or habit or whatever it is, all the differences that we might initially perceive are transcended by what I recognize of God in you and you recognize of God in me. And it's the work of God in each of us that that brings fellowship, a, a deep sense of belonging to one another, the work of God. So that actually we can begin not to be threatened by or distanced by our differences, we actually rejoice in them. We, we recognize them now as diversity from the unifying impact of the Spirit of God. They devoted themselves to that. They had, the early church had to, because there were Jews and Gentiles being called into one body with centuries of uh, animosity, one for the other. And yet the work of God was bringing them together dissolving their differences and creating one new unified family. That is the challenge for each and every one of us. That we recognize God in one another and rejoice in that and recognize how he brings us together, the fellowship of the believers, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. We might, in our terminology, say Holy Communion when we come and remember once again what it was that God did to bring us into relationship with him. He sacrificed his son. He died that we might live. So the breaking of bread, when we focus specifically on what God has done in Jesus Christ, he gave himself for us so that we might give ourselves to him. And we focus particularly on what he and he alone can do to heal, to forgive, to reconcile us to him and to one another, to transform us and to empower us to live as lights in the dark world. They devoted themselves to what God had done in Jesus Christ. And finally, they devoted themselves to prayer, expectant and dynamic prayer, expectant that God would speak to them as God always speaks that the spirit in them would, like a transmitter in a radio, would enable them to tune in to the voice of God, to hear him as he guides and corrects 
as he leads, as he comforts, as he convicts, as he exhorts, as he builds relationship with his people. And prayer, that uh, activity, that discipline, that space to hear God in the midst of all that's going on and to give back to him, to declare truth and praises, to uh, express devotion, to seek him for his will in our lives where it's not clear to us, where we're not yet able to see by revelation, to ask for the Spirit to reveal to us what is the way we should go, what should we do, how should I work in this area, how should I be with this colleague, what are you calling me to do in this place of work or in my home, in my family, wherever you've called me to live and work, to your praise and glory, all discerned through the discipline of prayer. If Luke was to visit St. Dionys today, spend a bit of time with us, a month, six weeks, hanging around us, coming to the different activities that take place, coming on a Sunday, our house groups, our prayer meetings, uh, uh, St. D Central, come to the Alpha group, how would he write us up? To what would he say we devote ourselves as he studies our lives? as he looks at us as individuals and collectively as a, as, a, as a group, as a community, as a family. I want to talk for just a few minutes about our vision here. A, a little bit of, um, let me rehearse. Uh, I've, I've been the vicar here now for about, just coming up for five and a half years. I was appointed coming up for six years ago. It was late uh, Easter Late, late spring, rather, coming up for Easter in 2005. And um, before I arrived here to start in September, but after I'd been appointed, I met with the PCC then, and we had a very fruitful day uh, where I think really inspired by God's Spirit. It, it, he kind of united all of us together. You, you can imagine, you know, there was, here's a sort of new vicar, and everyone's sort of thinking, what's he going to be like? And there was all sorts of those kind of things going on, those sort of dynamics, which is just inevitable. I was kind of thinking, you know, what, what's this PCC like, you know? And we were uh, working together. And I think God gave us a statement to encapsulate our vision at that time. It comprised some universal givens that every single church would have as part of its mission statement. And then it had a particular elements that only relevant to us. The universal given is that our vision is to glorify God. It's to make God look good. That's basically what to glorify means, to reflect back what we know of God with all that we know of ourselves in relation to him. To glorify God, but that, that's, that would be the vision for a church in Australia or India or America. Every Christian church is called to glorify God. More specifically, we felt as we looked, we sort of brainstormed and went through this whole process, that God was calling us here to glorify him by the way in which we, we were. We are. What, what is it that sums us up? It is that we seek to be a Christ-centered family. That all of our lives, our, our thoughts, our dreams, our hopes, our decisions, our plans, the way we use our time and our money centers around, orbits around Jesus Christ. How would he use his time, his money, his hopes, his dreams, his resources, his energies, his gifts. 
We want to be like him. We want to center on him. Whatever he would do, we want to do. And we look at the, the sort of geography of this area and we see so many. Our demography is, is heavily sort of between the kind of 22 and 45-year-olds. If you look at the, you know, the borough statistics and so on. We've got a lot of, let's look at who we are. So you can hear the uh, noises off. We, we've got lots of families here, nuclear families. We want to be a Christ-centered family. Wider than just the nuclear family, everyone is a part of it. Now, you could argue that there are a number of churches in this land and in this world that have a similar community and are similarly called to glorify God by being a Christ-centered family. So unique to us is that we live out our vision in Parsons Green. That's the clincher. There's no other church in the entire world that has that vision statement. To glorify God by being the Christ-centered family in Parsons Green, in this particular patch and area. And when you look at the, the opportunities that the green affords, when you look at the pubs and cafes, when you look at the sort of, just the makeup, the independent and small businesses around here, we have a unique area. Seven schools, is it, within 10 minutes walk. We've got unique opportunities just to us that we feel deeply called to minister amongst, a mission amongst. To glorify God by being the Christ-centered family in Parsons Green. Here's the thing. As I, as I kind of look back as a traditionalist, I look back at Acts chapter 2. And as I reflect on the vision process that we, as a PCC and the leadership over, this, over the last year, we met together a few times to look at the vision and, 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 and press into the Lord in prayer. Lord, what particularly are you calling us to do in the next three years? Particularly, we kind of use that as a, as a framework. And this, there's a growing sense that that vision statement feels a little bit too passive for what we really sense deep down God is calling us to be and to do. To glorify God by being in the Christ Center family in Parsons Green doesn't express enough of what we truly believe as a leadership, and I hope this is shared by the wider church. I'm putting this out to you today. Hopefully you will resonate with this. There's more. There's more. When we see what God is doing through Dee's ministry in the schools, when we see, on a, if you were here on a Tuesday morning, you'd see the back of church, about the whole of church, overrun by toddlers and babies, uh, the Mumbies group. When you see the number of people who contact the church inquiring about baptism, when you see the number of people, virtually every Sunday I look out and there are new faces. The, the hits we have on the website, the number of people inquiring about Alpha, there's more. And, and the challenge really has been evolving and just growing, burning away in the last few months to make that vision statement more proactive, more intentional in two ways. The first is not simply to be the Christ Center family. It's, I think in many ways, uh, I think in many ways we've, we've almost sort of achieved that. No family is perfect. I'm not saying we're perfect. But there is a sense when people walk in, a number of newcomers tell me, they say, oh, when we came in, we felt really welcome. We felt there's sort of a real vibe here. It just feels really good. You know, we, we felt like we could belong to this. But the vision now is not just to be the Christ Center family. The vision is to grow it. To glorify God by growing the Christ Center family. 
I'm just struck by verse 47 of this little piece that Luke writes. Just look, the last phrase, as the people are described as praising God, enjoying the favor of all people. And that's what we, we praise God. We enjoy people's favor. You know, the schools that come and visit, the people that, that come kind enough to feedback, they express favor. And the Lord, Luke writes, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Our vision here and our intention is that we should grow the number of people who praise God and enjoy the favor of this community. We shouldn't be satisfied just with existing. I mean, in one sense, it's, it's, it goes without saying, doesn't it? Healthy families grow. They, you know, children grow up. They eventually, they leave home. They're meant to. Eventually, they leave home. <laughs> it takes a little bit longer these days. Uh, they meet others. They form their own families. They grow their own children. I've, uh, I was just conducting the funeral the other day, Sally, a lady, she was a great-grandmother of something like 14 great-grandchildren. She'd seen her family over her lifetime grow and expand. I don't think the church family is any different. We should be looking to grow the Christ-centered family. The, the, the mums and uh, uh, carers who come to mummies, many of them, it's wonderful, many of them aren't regular churchgoers. I don't know if they know where they are with the Lord. We have an alpha course, a brilliant opportunity to invite them to consider the claims of the Christian faith, that they might come and join the Christ Center family and increase its number. Our vision is that we should grow, not just numerically, but grow in our relationship with God personally. That where we are now, at the start of 2011, should be different in a year's time. We should know more of the Lord and know other people better. Our relationships should grow in intensity and passion and interest and concern. Now, we've seen that. I've seen that happen over the last few years with uh, the house groups. We should look to grow the number of house groups that more and more people have that opportunity to be connected and hooked in to the love of God expressed through the family. More people doing Alpha. More people doing, uh, joining house groups. More opportunities for us to reach out and connect with our local community. To glorify God by growing the Christ-centered family. That's the first thing. And the second thing. Actually, let me just, let me just say, because I, I know I'm conscious that there may be some who, you feel, well, Tim, you know, are you connected to reality here? Do you know what's kind of going on in the world? Have you heard of things like a spending review and recession and tightening of the belt and all that kind of stuff? You know, these are tough times. The, the economic forecast for 2011, I know it's bleak. Do you, do, you, do you know what's going on in my place of work? Do you know that I've been struggling for work? And here you are talking about expansion and, and, and growth. Well, all I want to say is, I think Jesus knew that, if you, I won't turn to it, but you know in the Gospels he was preparing his disciples for after he'd left them. Uh, and you know, he had the church in mind. And he said, there will be times when you'll face trial and persecution. People will hate you because of me. It will, it will not be easy. Look what he says. Just flick back a page. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. As they recall, or Luke recalls here, that he will, um, Jesus will send the life-giving and empowering spirit. He says, you will receive, verse 8 of chapter 1, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria 
and to the ends of the earth. Growth, expansion. Notice he didn't say, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And that'll be great because Jerusalem's a pretty good city and quite well known. So we'll just we'll build a church there, consolidate it, kind of keep the numbers ticking over and it'll be fine. And I, you know, we'll probably get through till the end of the ages. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I will build my church Jesus says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Expansion, growth. And that's what Peter recognized when he stood up and he said, look guys, what's happening here is what God has always promised would happen. Spirit will come and eyes were opened and 3,000 were added to the number that day. I'm a traditionalist. If that happened then, why shouldn't that happen now? And our vision is that our church here, along with, not in competition with, working and complementary to all the other churches in this area and in this city and in this land and in this world, would grow to the glory of God the Father. So we glorify God by growing the Christ-centered family. Briefly, finally, in order that we might not just be in Parsons Green, but transform it. To grow the Christ-centered Christ-centered family to transform Parsons Green. Just look at this description of the early church. Again, chapter 2, verse 44, page 1033. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. People noticed this transformative community. Where, where, but it's not that possessions didn't count. It's not that, that possessions didn't matter. It's precisely because they recognized possessions did matter and they looked to share them. So those who did not have what they needed, in terms of practical provision, they were provided for by the love, the, the transformative love of this community. It's John Stott in his, his commentary points out it, it isn't that possessions didn't matter it's precisely that they did but what mattered even further was that everyone had what they needed the eradication of need just turn over the page to chapter 4 and um, verse 32 for another little description of this early church all the believers were one in heart and mind no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own but they shared everything they had Verse 34, there was no needy person among them, for from time to time those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. Clearly, you know, it, it wasn't this kind of, you know, um, uh, kind of, it wasn't a sort of communism. There, there were clearly those who were more wealthy than others, but, but of far greater importance to those who were wealthy and those who weren't was that they were joined together by the fellowship of the Holy Spirit so that no one was in need. It had an extraordinary impact on the wider community, on the empire. The, the, the Romans, the emperors, well, they were nervous of this church that was mushrooming and growing as the Lord added daily to their number. I'm a traditionalist. I'd encourage you to be a traditionalist. Let's go back <laughs> to the church then. Let's make a difference in the society and the community in which we live. 
Let's recognize whether our needs, material, physical, emotional, spiritual, and let's do all we can as a Christ-centered family to meet those needs. Not in our ability, not in our power, but in Christ's power as he sends us out to be witnesses in Parsons Green and Hammersmith and Putney, Richmond, in the city, at home, wherever it is that he calls us to be, to the ends of the earth. It's to that, and this is really what's inspiring the teaching for this term. A transforming community, a, a theology and a biblical understanding of what it is that drives mission, our call to go out and to take all that we know of God and to share him with those that we encounter. I want to, uh, there'll be, as you can see from the, uh, the term card there, we'll kind of dispel some myths. We'll look at, uh, you know, Jesus' teaching on being the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Uh, and in February, I want to get, uh, I'm going to get one or two people in, I hope, to, to talk about what they are doing, different organizations or churches, different ways in which they are helping to meet the needs of people around about, sharing Christ's love in practical ways, and sometimes where appropriate, uh, just sharing the gospel in words as well as, as actions. I, I'm not sure that we've necessarily got the resource to start it all ourselves, but we don't have to. There are people who are already doing things in our particular patch, in our neighborhood. Things like the food bank that we've heard a little bit about before Christmas. Uh, and Street Bank is building community in our area. There's a, a, a new, the health center on Cassidy Road. It's just out of our parish, technically, but it's just off the Fulham Road. And uh, Russell Rook, who heads up a, a, um, a, kind of a, a charity that has taken that on, they're, they're developing what they're calling a, a health hub. So not just meeting people, with, they've got Christian doctors and nurses who are meeting people who have, um, you know, go, just have physical need and uh, uh, needing medical advice. But over and above that, if there are other needs, housing needs, financial needs, and uh, what he's looking to do is to draw in Christian organizations or churches to partner, to, if you like, sort of spokes coming into that hub. That's why they call it a health hub. Not just physical health, but the whole of life health. And we can partner with people like them in order to bring something of God's love to those in need. We get out. And as we meet the needs of our fellow men and women, we find strangely that we grow as Christian people. It's, it's part of what we are wired up and created to do. It's part of our deep, deep call to be a missional community. So to glorify God by growing the Christ-centered family in order that we might transform Parsons Green and beyond. Not in our strength, but in his strength as he inspires us. So much more I could say. We'll, we'll probably say over the coming days and weeks. I'm conscious I'm running out of time. Uh, I just, just headlines. In, in, I'm just conscious of the need in the schools that D has enabled us to, to, to get involved in. I'm conscious in some conversations that we've had uh, over Christmas in the pubs. Really interesting, I asked for a show of hands at the carol service. How many people came to the carol service because they saw the poster? One or two hands. How many people came to the carol service because um, they got a card through the door? One or two hands. How many people came to the carol service because they'd been involved in the carol singing at the White Horse and two whole rows of people put their hand up? There were more hands for the singing in the pubs 
than there was all uh, other form of uh, advertising. And for those of us that went in the pubs and began to chat to one or two people, I, I was so aware of the kind of desert land in, in a spiritual sense that there are in people's lives, and yet they're thirsty and hungry to know truth and reality and authenticity. Is there someone who knows how life works? Is there someone who can help me to make sense of my life? I'm not just driven by this sort of the, the, the barrenness of a busy life, just endlessly trying to meet deadlines. What's this all for? What's it all about? Again, it seems to me we have a wonderful opportunity through the Alpha Course to answer that, well, what is the meaning of life? Why am I here? What am I doing? And there are men and women on our doorstep, hungry and thirsty for the answers. To grow the family, to transform Parsons Green. That's the vision. That's the vision for this year as we seek to work it out and beyond. We'll, we'll develop that. I, I tell you now that it, we, have, we have this God-given building. It's wonderful. It's not fit for purpose. If you don't believe me, come and watch Mumbies try and use this building as it's currently configured. You've got goodness knows how many children soiling their nappies and we haven't got any nappy changing facilities. The kitchen is... Don't get me started. We need to change this building in order to meet the needs of the community in which God has placed us. In order that we can grow this family. In order that we can see transformation in this community. In order that God gets the glory. Are you with me? One and a half people. We can start with that. <laughs> Let's stand together. I know you're with me. I'm only being provocative. I'm going to invite Jamie and the band to come back. We're going to conclude our formal time together, but just for a moment. Just in these few moments that remain, just invite the Spirit to come now afresh. And recognizing all that he has done in and through us. Actually, the, just the years and years and years of this church being here. All that he's done in the last few years. But Father, we ask now your spirit would come and impress upon us fresh vision, renewed vision, a bigger vision. For what you long to do in and through each and every one of us. To your praise and glory. Just encourage you particularly, if you yourself know you're one of those as an individual. You want to grow more in your faith. Grow deeper in your trust and love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Kind of, there's a sense in which you, you, you know yourself a little bit, to be a little bit of a sort of part-time Christian. Actually, you want to be, I want to be full-time. I mean, full-time Christian. I want to grow in my courage, grow in my conviction of him, grow in my love and response of him my desire for him.
just now in the quietness, that maybe the Lord is challenging one or two of you to step out. Maybe it's just to tell one other person of your intention to follow Jesus Christ more intently, day by day, at work, at home. That you would grow, and as you grow, we grow. Just opportunity too, if the Lord is birthing in you a desire to play your part in transforming this local community. Maybe through some of the existing initiatives or there may be new initiatives that the Lord is placing on your heart. Love, just uh, in a few minutes, to pray with anyone who uh, either you want to grow yourself or you want to take part in some kind of initiative or action that would transform the local community. If either one of those two things applies to you particularly, I'd love to to meet with you, to pray with you at the end. There's others that would love to do that too. Father, we pray you would seal the work of your Spirit in our hearts and minds this morning as you lead us on into the rest of this year. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we remain standing, we're going to sing our final song together. We'll take up an offering during this song. If you're a visitor, please don't feel obliged to give. But if you're a regular member, I hope you'll see this as part of your worship. Uh, Do make use of the envelopes and the pews to make any giving tax efficient. Uh, Let's uh, sing together. Music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's worth, that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself. Is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things have been. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. King of endless work, no one could express. How much you deserve Though I'm weak and poor All I have is yours Every single breath I'll bring you 